Well, hello and a very good morning to you all and welcome to the CXO Sync webinar panel discussion on enabling the hybrid workforce. My name is Munya and I'm very much looking forward to guiding you through what is going to be an interesting discussion on how we can succeed in this hybrid, flexible world of work. I'm sure you all know and agree with that. You know, we're all sitting in the same boat. We're all kind of trying to figure out and navigate our world, our, our way of around this world and trying to see how do we best collaborate and work with each other. And actually, one thing that we all saw was what you know was termed as the great uh, resignation in 2020, at the end of 2020, and going into 2021, where people were resigning en masse. We saw that uh, particularly in the United States. And now what's happening is actually we're moving to what McKinsey termed uh, as the great renegotiation. So there's this whole notion of, okay, how do we want to work? And um, you know, how do we, how must we work in this digital first world? So uh, according to Zoom here, as well as part of the round, um, hybrid work is here to stay and employees want it, they demand it, and it is becoming a source of competitive advantage. Most employers are actually, you know, going with the flow and, and you know, wanting to do hybrid well. However, not all, um, you know, organizations are very much aligned and on board and not really maybe sure on what roadmap to follow. So we're here to discuss um, some of the, you know, pros and um, me welcome our speakers. He is a leading expert in artificial intelligence and emerging technologies. He's the chief executive officer at Satalia and the chief AI officer at WPP. He has lots more things going on. He's also the entrepreneur in residence at UCL and he does research about organizations and how, um, you know, he's really, really passionate about how organizations um, can really use technology to make a positive impact and to govern um, and do business well. So welcome to you, Daniel. Good to have you here. Here on stage. Um, we also have here in the round Magnus Falk, who is a CEO advisor at Zoom. And I had the pleasure of actually meeting Magnus a couple of weeks ago in person. And we had a nice little chat of, about uh, remote working and hybrid working. Very interesting. He has a really interesting role of advising CAOs, um, you know, around the globe on, on how to do this well. He's also the non-executive director at the Series Ford office. He has over 30 years of experience of really helping businesses to use technology effectively, including 20 years at Credit Suisse. So, Really warm welcome to you as well, Magnus. How are you today? Yeah, very well. Very, we're delighted to be with you and really nice to see you over, uh, well, you know, over this platform, but, you know, it would have been <laughs> better on Zoom, as we all know. Yeah, I, I agree with you. So let's actually get started with you, Danny. One of the things that I, I was reading about, obviously, you know, is this a super interesting uh, topic because hybrid work is something that, you know, everyone's talking about. I was reading, uh, according to McKinsey, actually two out of three employees who prefer hybrid models say that they are likely to look for other opportunities if asked to return fully on site. But clearly there is a need for that. And clearly the last two years have shown the need for us to, to, to really adapt to how we work. So one of the things that will be interesting, maybe Daniel, would be to start with you and to hear how you have approached hybrid work generally at your organization and what your working model looks like. What is it that you're seeing? Yeah, this is something that I've been very passionate about for, for well over a decade. And um, I guess the principle 
that we've adhered to um, over the years is that um, you should have ultra flexibility if you want to be able to attract and retain and, and motivate talent. And uh, that means ultra flexibility in job roles, ultimate uh, flexibility in where to work, how to work, where to work from. And, uh, and that's been the underlying principle to, to how we operate. And, 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 and now I think because of COVID, that flexibility has been accelerated. And because of new technologies and platforms, I guess, like Zoom, uh, we're able to operate much more comfortably now in, in a much more, much more flexible way that so flexibility is obviously the key the key word here and I know that that's something we're going to be hearing from Zoom as well I just want to ask you then Daniel even though it sounds really easy right we we all want to be flexible in in practice for some reason it seems to be a little bit more tricky what are you seeing is some of the biggest challenges or maybe did you have any challenges in 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 going hybrid or or what did you guys do yeah, we've 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 always wanted to be able to have people work from where they want, how they want, um, on whatever they want. And actually, as we started to scale globally, the, the challenge that we've been facing now not necessarily technological challenge because there are, there are some fantastic technologies out there the challenges that you're facing are discrepancies in how different countries operate so some countries will have certain laws around working hours and what data you're allowed to to, to keep and use and employees where other countries don't and, and you end up having these discrepancies that cause frictions and, and challenges within the organization so from a technological perspective i think that we've um, we've pretty much solved it from a process perspective organizations are moving from rigid hierarchical structures to now much more adaptive adaptive, flexible structures. Um, but then from a legislation and legal perspective, I think that they're a number of years away uh, and they need a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, interesting. Uh, it would be interesting actually to hear maybe from the audience uh, what your biggest challenges are in, in enabling a hybrid workforce. Let us know in the, in the poll. Uh, I know CAO advisor, we were having some jokes around that a couple of weeks ago and trying to you know, like try to define what does the CAO advisor actually do. So it be interesting to hear from you. How are you organizations you know how are you seeing them navigate this world what are you seeing as their primary if there is something like that kind of mode of operandis when it comes to enabling flexible work well let's just answer that first question cio advisor is the best job in the world because it means that i get to talk to the zoom zoom's clients and i started before the pandemic really about how to use the platform that zoom has to enable their business be it colleague interactions be it customer interactions and many were seeing the benefits even before the pandemic and then everyone got it you know and and my part little part-time role at zoom suddenly exploded into you know kind of had to spend most of my life in zoom land uh, talking to people about how they took advantage of it um and, and you know i think that daniel's hit the nail on the head most firms have accepted that flexibility is key and and then they're trying to decide well what exactly does that mean and i think that as I talk to firms, four basic rules seem to, or guidelines is probably the right word. Um, the first is you've got to get your tech and your space right. You know, the, the absolute, you know, um, table stakes, because if you don't get those right, nothing else is possible. Now, the thing is, it's not the problem to get right. As Daniel pointed out, it's really quite straightforward. You've got to implement the right tech and have the right space strategy to support the flexibility. The second thing is give your um, give your people entire agency in how they work. You know, let them declare what they want to do, capture that, um, you know, and, and kind of work out the personas that they can choose between. But give them agency because actually 
that's the, the employment model of the future. Now, clearly, Dan is pointing out that agency doesn't come with an ability to override every country's rules. You have to stick within the employment practices of your, your employing country and work in places and not break their rules either. So that's quite a complex, complex matrix, but you have to give them agency and help to work within the rules. The third is, we all know that you're going to have to have team and organizational interactions. It's not just, you know, you can't just everyone decide what they want to do and, and, and you, you don't work in a team structure. But there's something about making sure that the team agrees how they want to work. Um, and there may be multiple teams you work in, and then some negotiations around there. But then there's the organizational overlay. And in that organizational overlay, there are things that the organization wants to achieve. And in those instances, you have to persuade people that these are really important to them. You have to entice them. You have to demonstrate that this activity is going to be valuable to, for them. And then the fourth is, by the way, your customers are going through this as well. So if your business services don't give your customer flexibility in the way they use you, you are sunk, even if you got it right for all your lovely people. So that's four rules tech and space, um, give your employees agency, entice them back for your organizational events, and don't forget your customer and all this. So those are kind of the guidelines. Particularly on, I mean, giving people agency, and we'll go and talk about that in a moment because we actually have a question from someone around that and that choice, right? That that let's see where where we're going to feed that. But one of the things is also the customer part, which we'll discuss as well because that's actually key. Um, so when you hear this, Daniel, where would you say have been uh, where are you seeing people make the biggest kind of um mistakes or what would you say of the biggest challenges apart from the legislation piece in what um, Magnus was just alluding to? Yeah and just to echo that there's a very good book by a guy called Dan Pink called Drive and it's really about what motivates people and he he says suggests there are three things that motivate people autonomy mastery and purpose and I think that those map to uh, some of the things that Magnus has been been talking about autonomy giving people the freedom to do what they want and mastery giving them the ability to become good at what they want and purpose is giving them something higher to align themselves with um some of the challenges actually is around um process so assuming the technological layer has now been solved and there are organizations out there that um that provide fantastic platforms the uh, the companies are grappling with what um uh, what are the processes and, and principles that they're going to now use to to uh, entice people uh, and, and maximize people's engagement at work and um, you, we're seeing companies dictate or mandate saying you've got to be in the office at least three days a week uh, um, and other organizations approach it in a very different way giving people freedom to choose when they want to be back at work based on uh, our research and, and my experience giving people the choice will probably yield to much better um, results. Um, and uh, so so I think that getting those processes and, and principles right now is is important. And, and, and a lot of those processes and principles and culture will stem from the leadership and the attitude of the leadership. And, and, and working from home has surfaced a very important word, which is the concept of trust. Leaders need to make sure that they trust their employees and that they're going to be working and, and, and doing the things that they want them to do, and um, and, uh, and and it works the other way around as well. Well, so, I think so that, in that it's trust and verify, isn't yes. there? You know, give trust as a matter of default, but verify that the outcomes respect the trust that has been given, and then if they they aren't, work out 
what it is about the process, the person that 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 means the outcomes aren't coming. And you know, yeah. how, how do you then address that? Because it's it's normally not someone is shirking. You know, it's normally something. You know, you've got an impossible structure, and no one could sort of you know, succeed. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe just to give an example of, of one of the kind of pr- processes I've seen an organization adopt recently, which uh, forgive me if I, I don't know if this is in the Zoom platform, but I guess historically when we're in face to face meetings, if, if you were sitting there on your laptop while a meeting was happening and, and not necessarily being present, that would be frowned upon. And actually, um, this organization encourages people to join meetings, but be a fly on the wall. Sometimes people like leaders to be in meetings, even if they're not necessarily contributing just to be there and, and, and be um, be somewhat present. And so having the kind of the ability to say, I'm going to be attending this meeting, but I'm going to be a fly on the wall um, allows, again, for new types of flexibility in the, in the ways that we work with each other. this is actually super interesting because you brought the word trust and I was reading an article by Forbes and the the, the author actually talked about this whole um, collision of ideologies between command and control which is what we would call the old model and this new model of trust outcome-based work and uh, digital and he said that this is actually not about hybrid working it is about trust and about the collision of these ideologies and Magnus just kind of aligning with that and um, maybe going and, and, and just commenting on, on, on something that was mentioned here in the audience, because I, I do really want to involve the audience, this whole notion of choice, right? So the, the question that one of the participants here has is that work from home set days policy defined and enforced by the company to employees or employees can have a choice to decide the days that they can work, which process is actually the best and why. Um, so here we're going again about you know, do you dictate or, or do you, you know, do you let people decide? So Magnus, what would you have to say to Bala? Yeah. So I think we're in a process that um, everyone's learning and I think companies will have to learn. And I, I do think that it's really important to start this move to flexible working in a way that says, we're going to do something, we're going to learn and get your feedback, and then we're going to adjust. Um, so I don't think it's a do or die moment. And that's the first thing. The, the, the second thing is that whenever someone comes out with a policy from the top, I always ask, why? What is the business case around that policy? And if it is not clearly articulatable or uh, articulated, then you realize that it's an ego-driven policy. And mm-hmm. sometimes the, you know, you've got to be back three days comes from, unfortunately, the executive who loves having their team around them, they can bark at, it's very convenient for them. And it just actually doesn't um, apply any of the, well, what's in it for the people who you've demanded to come to a place in central, whatever, to do their email? What is it in it for them? Now, yeah, you can open your door and bark at them. But what's in it for them? And, and, you know, actually, the business case normally doesn't stack up. Now, I do think that every team needs to agree an approach to their collaboration. And that's going to be different for different teams. Um, and I do think an organization needs to establish its culture and make sure it's talking to its people about the purpose, about how the role they play in that purpose, um, how they empower themselves within their organization. And, and I think those organizational events are important too. But... You don't do that by telling people come back three days a week. You do that by allowing them agency, by getting them to interact with their team and agree a way forward with their team, 
and also then having super events that are about the organizational messages. And of course, those sometimes don't need to just be in person. There's a lot of, you know, a video log blogging that can be done or, you know, the kind of creation of things for people to watch asynchronously. Yeah, and I think in terms of just aligning with with what people here are responding to, just I'm just reading the poll and some of the, the comments as well here, in terms of the biggest challenge, I just want to share that with us. Our 40% of us, uh, of the respondents said that actually keeping their teams connected to drive a sense of belonging is their biggest challenge. Uh, 30% are saying that having an inclusive experience with in-person and remote workers to make the collaboration seamless across home offices and shared conference rooms is a challenge. And then we have the, the, the kind of 10% uh, saying that attracting and retaining the right talent is is, 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 is tricky. 20% of uh, you know but I think there's interesting examples of how you know we're all in a bit of a talent crisis at the moment now you yeah. know I don't know whether that's gonna you know how the economy is going to work and whether that plays out forever but we are in a talent crisis now I've seen a lot of our customers deal with their talent crisis issues by implementing sensible or innovative uh, employment practices or work approaches so a good example insurance assessor didn't have enough people going out to do insurance um, claim assessment because they didn't have enough trained people and there were people retiring because they didn't like being on the road all the time so well what did they do they started employing apprentices or more junior people to go on the road with wearables um, they had their fully trained assessors sitting somewhere when someone arrived they could show them around they could recommend what what was going to happen and the senior person could say yep i agree with you or no let's adjust that or whatever now suddenly we had a different type of job for the senior assessor that allowed maybe one day a week or working from a different location or you know much more flexible thing that allowed them to tail off their career in a different way than you know always being on the road um, so suddenly we've got different employment models driven by flexible approaches driven by technology that just works and so suddenly you kind of get, oh, HR directors thinking differently and CEOs thinking differently about how they leverage their talent because it's now possible. Absolutely. And I, and I think um, going back to, you know, why there are still organizations actually discussing, oh, we actually we want to have office only, which is what you said, Magnus, as being a bit of an ego driven thing. Um what is that going to have you know, the impact? What is the impact of that going to be in five, 10 years time in terms of talent and, and who they are able to, to, to attract? Well, some of the research talks about numbers in north of 50 percent of um, millennials and Gen Z who just will not tolerate that. So, you know, you've got to decide who you want to employ. Yeah. And also it means that you miss out on all those caregivers and people who have accessibility issues that we're working in an office just has never worked for them. And suddenly this new world of work is opening up and giving them opportunities that they were crying out for. It also gives a whole ability where you can employ people in locations where you couldn't before and where they want to be. Yeah, yeah. And that flexibility um, is even more important as, as AI allows us to remove more 
uh, I guess, human tasks. Um, and the idea is that frees then people up uh, to be able to go and do other things. Um, we used to be constrained by our, our physical environments. And now, of course, we're not in the morning. I can be a software developer and in the afternoon, I can be working on, on a different project. Uh, but by working at home and by being on different Zoom calls all around the world, again, whereas previously I was restricted restricted, restricted by, by uh, geography. So um, and millennials and, and, and other types of people now are wanting that portfolio career. They don't, don't just want to be a software developer. They want to have um, uh, different types of um, uh, job structures. Yeah. yeah, you know what? Back 10 years ago, I, I had this dream. Oh, why don't we all work like this? And now 10 years later, it actually became a reality. It's like, yay, my dream has become reality. But it's true. I mean, I'm a millennial and I, I don't know. I mean, I would leave if, if I was forced to, 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 to have. It's just so old, old school as well, right? Um. One other thing that I'd like to hear, Daniel, I know you do research as well. So it'd be interesting just to compare. Um, what does your research say in terms of giving employees freedom? How much freedom should they be given to choose? Uh, we had somebody comment in the uh, questions tab here as well of, you know, companies requesting a minimum number of days in the office each week, but allowing employees to decide which days those are by coordinating with their teams and managers and deciding based on their work commitments. So it's, you know, empowering people to, to choose. So Danny, what does the research say? So, so the, I guess the, the, the challenge is um, that we've seen is that is that people do want ultra flexibility, but <clears throat> often people are not aware of the of the boundaries or constraints, again, unfortunately, from legal or, or regulatory constraints. So um, uh, educating people to make sure that they're not um, uh, making uh, themselves liable or, or creating a liability for the organization um, uh, is, is, is a challenge. Um, from from our, our research, and, and so as an organization, uh, we were 120 people before we were acquired, but we used Satalia as an experimental playground for, for researchers to, um, to, to, to play with and experiment, uh, experiment, experiment on with, with regards to these types of, um, of, of working models. But um, uh, for example, in, in different jurisdictions in, in our organization, mm -hmm. we would offer them, we would suggest to them either they, um, they have to go back to work for three days a week or in other parts of it, other jurisdictions, we'd give them freedom. And the, again, the, the retention, the, um, uh, the presence, the uh, uh, the happiness of the employees that are given that freedom is much more than than than, than what the, the, the restricted options. There are there are some outliers. I won't go into the details, but they're primarily to do with different cultures and attitudes of cultures around the world, which also have to be accounted for. But for the most part, people um, are much more engaged when when given freedom. And I guess we're seeing that also from the the, the, the talent. Um, uh, uh, crisis right now is that is that people are, are not taking jobs unless they have that flexibility yeah and i think this resonates with the, the poll we asked you to the audience to share how you have approached determining how when your workforce goes to the office 52 percent say well we have allowed employees actually to to make a choice on where and and when they will work and um, nine percent say that they've actually not yet decided or communicated. Magnus, I mean, it's it, you know, it's really interesting this debate because uh, you know it does focus on you know one particular aspect of the work um, the work changes, and uh, you know when I talk to a lot of the Zoom CIOs and and they've embraced Zoom for doing virtual meetings and you know kind of this type of thing, what they haven't realised is that platforms like zoom actually can be integrated into their own services very straight in a very straightforward way you know we see video banking we see video um medicine we see video house selling we see you know 
you know, video, just about anything. In that example, they talked about video-enabled mobile workforces. Um, and suddenly they realized that actually it's this whole discussion about how work is done is hugely different because it's now reinventing how it's possible to do the business service that they, they did before. And in fact, doing it on remotely can sometimes be a better experience for their customers than doing it in person. Um, you know, for example, DocuSign have released a Zoom app that allows you to sign a document right in the heart of a meeting. You know, what a fabulous experience. You're reviewing the document, you then sign it through the Zoom app, and then suddenly you've both got the same, you know, the copy of the signed document. You go, well, actually, that's probably a step forward from sitting there reviewing a document in an office. You know, why, why you know, because you can online change it, and, you know, can do all sorts of interesting things. So I think that what people are, you know, what I think it's gradually happening that people are kind of going, oh, it's not just about meetings, it's about a whole platform, which yeah. then if I have the right technology, then I can just re I can transform my business services and I can transform the offering to my people. Now I've got the technology right. Well, now I can make a whole series of different cultural decisions because I'm I'm confident that I've got services that are brilliant for my customers. And I'm confident that I've got technology that can enable collaboration. Another good one, virtual whiteboarding. Zoom's just introduced a brand new virtual whiteboard that allows you to, you know, on your tablet, on a touchscreen, on a touch-enabled whiteboard in a Zoom room to interact together, whether you're there or apart, on a whiteboard that persists after the meeting, can be put into a chat, can be sent to someone for further comments, Someone can then work on it offline, then you can have another collaboration on it, you know, and you're, you've now got a whiteboarding, a virtual whiteboarding experience that fully integrated into all your meeting technology going, oh my God, uh, my goodness, this is unbelievably enabling for my virtual teams. I mean, Daniel, do you do any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I was just going back to the research question. Um, Google did a, a, a number of research um, initiatives on what makes effective teams and um, psychological safety was a key driver. And, and what they, how they measured psychological safety was, was, was um, the uh, equity of voice uh, in a meeting. So people essentially speaking for the same amount. And there's some early research to suggest that hybrid working using platforms like this actually increase psychological safety maybe that's because we, we get to know each other's cats and dogs and pets and children more but um but th there is certainly some indications that actually promotes more um more effective teams um you know what's interesting because um, magnus this obviously goes into the direction of innovation it goes into you know the customer what's the customer doing so i do want to continue talking about that a little bit more um obviously one of the things that we're seeing is that it's it's not any more about just a transactional relationship with a customer. It's about partnership. It's about really, um, you know, building that right customer experience. And you were alluding to some interesting services that, you know, banks and, and, and other types of organizations are doing using platforms like Zoom and all the other, because we know that Zoom is obviously not just a video conferencing platform. It's so much more, right? So one of the things I'd like to do is, okay, let's talk about the customer let's talk about innovation and how we can use these types of technologies as well and these types of working to really innovate and 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 also you know serve our hybrid customers so magnus you know what is the customer doing how do we create that flexibility uh for them and and serve their needs what what is it that you're seeing currently oh, we're, we're seeing innovation across the piece i mean a fantastic example of an innovative healthcare provider 
um, is now offering a video service to parents of new children where actually they've sent a, a, a remote pack, you know, sent out to the new parents who can then um, put a, a heart monitor on the baby, um, can look into its mouth using the tongue depressor, look into the ears, look into the eyes, all under the direction of the a virtual GP, all with the devices video being put into the meeting, all being recorded and attached to the patient record, all being applied where AI can be applied to it there to look for the things that the um, clinician hasn't spotted to give further inputs to clinicians. You know, no, no doctor is perfect. So the better tools they have, the better doctor they can be. But that means that the parents don't have to struggle to a GP, don't have to actually book, make that trip, wait in a waiting room where they've got a screaming child who's now being infected by other things in the waiting room, get into the GP surgery, have that, you know, five minute interaction, um, then do the reverse and get all the way home. And by the way, you know, as soon as they've then made a clinical decision and if they are going to prescribe, they can then hit a button and those drugs get delivered in a couple of hours by a home delivery service. Now, as a new, as a parent, you know, I would have voted for that every day of the week because that whole going to get your sick child seen was a nightmare beyond belief. And, and even worse, if you've got other children as well. And, and, you know, if one parent is off, you know, taking time off work to deal with these sorts of things and the other parent, you're kind of got your hands full. So, what a fabulous patient-centered service has been created. Now, clearly, the doctor might say, this is too serious. I now need you to do something else. And, uh, and, and then you've got your pathway. But that's a low percentage of the diagnosis. So, you know, we're seeing that type of use the various tools, take the fact that you can integrate unified communications into these other tools, into remote sensing, into um, delivery services, into um, applying advanced intelligence into the what, what is being produced out of the video feeds, taking all those things and creating things that are brilliant for customers, patients, um, students, et cetera. Um, and quite frankly, it, it, it we are seeing many many innovators using Zoom as an innovator to you know compete in a very um, dynamic market. And quite frankly, your people love being you know one of the with one of the innovators. Yeah, just hitting two birds with one stone, right? Attracting the talent, innovating, pleasing your customers. Um, one thing that's interesting that I just uh, I was reading through some of the um first of all there are you know I'm looking at what types of people do we have from the audience here what are the sectors that they are I see there's some you know banking here we've got insurance so it'd be interesting to see in terms of a uh, cross industry application on how you know what are some of these customer needs um how do we you know ensure that their needs are met and you know using these new ways of working yeah. Yeah. there's this, I just want to just read this one comment and then I'll give the ball over back to, to you, Magnus, and then Daniel. Um, this need for frictionless collaboration with the client has never been more important, is, 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 is what Anthony is saying here. So how do we do that, Magnus? Well, I, I, there are all sorts of, you know, I think the interaction with customers um, needs to be frictionless until it needs to be full fat and then it needs to be really 
personable because you know you're in a situation where a person needs to interact with another person i think you, as one transforms one digital service you want to put the the power in the customer's hands decide how they use their services whether it's simple accessing data or information about their relationship with you and the things that they're getting um you know giving them further choices and extending the relationship of buying things and those are the sorts of things we're seeing as digital services you know being rolled out left right and center as every every industry transforms itself to be able to take advantage of the internet era now what we're seeing is that advice uh, consultation um advanced interactions where human needs to work with human still and you know these might change over time but still they work human with human that's where you can now instantly go from you know your self-serve you're getting all the data you need to hit the button boom the video's there you're talking with someone you can be then video routed from one you know, person who's triaging to an expert who really knows you can bring your data into the meeting you know here are all the documents we've got with you um you can fire up the document oh we need to make a change to that one let's make it online let's sign the result you can do all that you can you can do so it and we're seeing a lot of this type of innovation with the leaders you know who are really really pushing the zoom platform and come back to us and say you know we need this and we need this and we need this and it's fabulous to get that innovation thrown into the platform and from a financial services um, perspective you, know, you you need to provide frictionless recording for you know so people can have compliance um structures applied to those interactions that you have records that are appropriate to them that you can't have a session that isn't being recorded appropriate you know all these kind of controls that you need in financial services that everyone doesn't think about until you you know and, until you've done it for real and you know zoom has done it for real with with numerous clients Danny, what do you have to say about this? Um, we talked about this whole virtual whiteboarding and all the different ways of you know innovating. You 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 talked about Google's um, study of you know how effective teams really collaborate and innovate. Um, how do you continue to innovate in this time? And what advice do you have for the people listening here today in how they can continue to innovate in this hybrid way of working with employees, but also with serving their customers in these new ways? Well, I like to start, I like definitions. And, and actually, there's a really nice definition of innovation by Steve Jobs. He said, innovation is creativity that ships. And for me, the most important word in, in, in creativity that ships is, is the word that. And uh, that is the process of generating ideas and getting to the point where somebody's willing to pay for them. And, and I, I guess um, what's happening now is that there are, there are two parts um, uh, that we can look to innovate. So one is by removing the friction from having employees work with each other to be able to engage with clients in new and interesting ways. And then there's lots of not only frictions to remove there, but also new um, ways to make that effective. So that's how we work and collaborate with, with each other. But, but this digital interface now allows us to capture data, um, uh, capture insights that allow us to, to innovate outside of this uh, context. So going back to what um, Magnus was talking about, that interface with the, with the doctor is now frictionless, but then the insights that could be extracted from what's going on there, the AI can analyze the data and all this kind of stuff is also very, very exciting. And I guess one of the things that, that we do in, in my company is we capture this digital footprint to try to understand people's relationships with each other, what people are, are passionate about, their hopes, their dreams, their desires, so we can then figure out how to better allocate 
relegate them to opportunities that align with their own values and the values of the organization. Uh, so previously that, that data wasn't able to be captured because it was in a room in, in, in a physical location, but now we can capture that data and use it for good. Uh, now there are you know potential ways of using it for not good and, and organizations need to face into that and uh, this is the new world that we're, we're having to face into but but the, the the promise is that we can use this digital footprint to be able to unlock the creative capacity of people and have them be um, better allocated to opportunities that align with the, the, the values of all of the stakeholders and and, and that's a whole uh, world of, of, of new innovations that can get created uh, and that's uh, you know you're absolutely right and and balancing the privacy with the functionality is a really good, um, it's a really difficult subject because people can get motive about it, um, and rightly so, but it is possible to make get that balance right. You know, a good example is Zoom's recording. You know, the host can record the meeting. Everyone has to sign in that they're, you know, they're okay with it or they have to leave the meeting, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you, there you kind of get the privacy balance. Um, you can't not notify, not get approval. Um, but then what, what what happens? You know, someone says, I don't approve. Well, if you don't approve, you have to leave, you know. Yeah. And I guess that's where trust comes in. So, you know, ultimately um, what we do is we use that, that information, that data to um, enable people to to work better. We, we can identify people who are subject matter experts who might not be declared subject uh, matter experts we can identify people who are good at giving feedback or inspire other people and so if um, the employees trust that that data is going to be used to empower and enable them then then people are comfortable to to to, to sign over that data if they don't trust it then that's a, a problem that needs to be solved i guess at the leadership level yeah i mean one of the kind of and you can say it's this is the, probably at the mechanistic end of ai but very exciting is that zoom's just launching um Simultaneous translation into 22 languages. I think it's coming in June, um, where you know you you can talk first in English, um, and then you can get 22 languages coming out of it. But then you know the innovation carries on, and eventually it's going to be you know um, uh, the many languages to the many languages. I can't give any timeframes around it because um, you know, but it's going to be quick. How, how does that, sorry? How does that work then? What, what would I be seeing? Is it in like a meeting context, or how? You how? have a, tra- a transcript down at the bottom in um, in English first, and then you have the translation in the language you have chosen. Um, oh, that wow. is all you know, AI driven. We acquired a firm called Kites, which came out of Carl Ru- Carl's Ruler University. I mean, maybe you know the the guys, Daniel, but um, they they were experts in. Um, uh, trans, text translation or language text translate uh, uh, translation um, and so they came part of Zoom and they've been working on this and we're going to release it into GA shortly. Wow um, just remind the audience we have uh, time for one more question or so so um, if you want to ask anything else please do so now. Daniel sorry. I was just going to say this, of course, does unlock some really interesting futures. And um, going back to what Magnus said, is that there'll be a scenario where I'm speaking English and Munir will be presented in a different language to you and a different language to, to, to Magnus. And it actually will look like that, that my, my, my face can be generated to look like I'm actually speaking um, that, that language to you, Munir, and, and differently to, to Magnus. And um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting future. Brilliant. Yeah, no, that's that's quite quite fascinating. <laughs> um, by, by the way, that's not in the Zoom platform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People, I can see the reactions. People are like, "Oh my goodness!" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I have one more question for for both of you. So, 
what would you say for people who are kind of not necessarily on the fence because everybody is kind of having to do this anyway but for people who are thinking okay we're going to have to change the way we we go about this and, and see this from a different you know perspective how would you say or what, what is required for this to really work for hybrid working to work what is the way to find your sweet spot in all of this magnus what would you be your advice well follow those those four guidelines i was talking about get your tech and space right you know tech you can use a great platform like zoom space make sure your the space that you use is designed around collaboration rather than um you know whole people sitting in rows and and working like hamsters on email um <laughs> give your staff agency um and work out you know a kind of well let's try something for a while you know we've got some choices let people decide and then watch how it goes really encourage them back to team and organizational events through incentives and you know um uh, you know, that you have to agree with your team how they work and then you know work on your customer services so it's those four things that I think you do and do it in an iterative way because you know you don't know what the answer is until all your people are, are using it so go so far then you know decide to go another iteration um, and then when you found the sweet spot you'll know because your people are not asking for change anymore. How do managers find new ways of motivating teams it, it, it seems to be a bit of a challenge with the hybrid and remote working Daniel what, what will be your suggestions? Yeah, so um, you can use this data to identify, again, people's characteristics. You can identify people who are good at, at certain things and not good at certain things in a much more granular way than, I guess, historically human beings can do it. So um, managers can then support the career development, the, the personal development of, uh, of those employees much, much better because you have a, a better understanding about their um, their relationships and their, and, and their skill set. We know this already. Managers need to become much more service-led uh, um, as opposed to uh, dictatorial and uh, we're still seeing these new ways of working um, uh, uh, make that happen. I was just going to kind of say as well that um, that my, as you know, Munya, my background is in artificial intelligence and there's a very good definition for intelligence, which is goal-directed adaptive behavior. So if there's one piece of advice that I would give everybody is that um, is that unless you are architecting your organization for adaptability then you're not going to be intelligent and by definition your 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 competitors are going to to win so so you absolutely must to survive be able to uh, uh, um, architect yourself for adaptability for flexibility for innovation um, otherwise you're not going to attract talent you're not going to attract customers and you're not going to survive as an organization so for me it's actually an existential threat um, if organizations don't operate in these new ways um magnus just one last minute from you um my kind of devil's advocate will be here how do we motivate teams and i would ask well, do we why do we even need to motivate people should they not be intrinsically motivated what would you have to say to to peter who's asking this question yeah i i think motivation or inspiration is part of the leader's challenge you know why do you want to work here yeah you 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 want a paycheck and you you've got to live but why do you want to work here? What is it that we do? Why do we do it? And why is it important? Those are the sorts of questions that a leader needs to answer, whether they're in the office or out of the office. And you know, there may be slightly different ways of communicating them virtually. But if you're not answering those questions, if you're not helping people you know, meet one of the three things that um, you know, Daniel talked about, you're not giving them purpose, then, then you're really struggling. And that is a leader's, absolute leader's challenge. And with that purpose come 
setting out what is the strategy, what you know, what is the vision we're trying to um, achieve, what is the strategy we're we're adopting to get that, and communicating, communicating, communicating. I mean, it's really important, and and that's what you ask of leaders. You don't ask your leaders to sign off the expense reports. That's their job. You know that. You know, it's about inspiring. people. And just last uh, last comment here, um, the sweet spot for creatives tend to be so different to those working uh, in planners. Completely mind. agree. Completely agree. You know, and that's why you have to design flexible working for your own organisation. Uh, and I think flexibility for uh, creatives could be very, very different. You might need more event days. You might need more, you know, lunches or whatever, wherever <laughs> the work gets done. Um, but you're know, thinking about it for your people. If you just insist all your people come to the office, you know, they'll go and find someone who somewhere where kind of thought harder about it. You'll be outcompeted. And also, you know, price points are different in different locations. You might be, um, you know, kind of beaten on cost as well as, you know, a nice place to work. Super interesting discussion. Uh, will be great to continue, actually, but we have to um, close things off now. Um, really enjoyed uh, talking to you both, and I think the audience did as well. We had, I don't think I've ever had that many reactions, um, you know, people like liking and <laughs> shocked face. We had the hearts, uh, eye, heart eyes, <laughs> thumbs up. So, you know, the whole spectrum of reactions. So thank you so much to both Daniel and Magnus and Zoom for making this possible and to all of you watching as well we we hope that we were able to inspire you and give you some maybe new food for thought and of course we want to invite you to continue chatting to to, to magnus and, and daniel about this so thank you so much have a great rest of the day and good luck with uh, with making your hybrid uh, workforce work even um yeah more successfully thank you and take care goodbye <laughs>